to the 10th episode of our podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid, where we talk to researchers previously funded by Australian Rotary Health about their research findings. I'm Jessica Cooper, and today I'll be having a chat to Professor Ron Rapay from Macquarie University. Professor Rapay is a distinguished professor of psychology, an Australian Research Council laureate fellow, and the founding director of the Centre for Emotional Health. He has a background in clinical psychology, especially the understanding and development of mental disorders. Professor Rapay has a history of developing treatment programs and evaluating their efficacy through clinical trials. Foremost among these has been the Cool Kids suite of programs, which has received some funding from Australian Rotary Health over the years. The Cool Kids programs are now translated into over 25 languages and used in over 30 countries. In addition to this, Professor Rapay also serves as a member of the Australian Rotary Health Research Committee. So it's really great to have you on our podcast today, Ron. How's everything been going for you lately? Oh, not too bad. Thanks, Jessica. I guess um, it's just work as usual. Uh, one of the great things, I guess, about academic work is the ability to work from pretty much anywhere. Yes. Uh, so I can be working in my office at at the university or I can work at home just as easily or I can be working on an island in the Bermudas if I want. Yeah. <laughs> not, not at the moment, unfortunately. Yeah. Well, it's good that there's that flexibility to, you know, yeah, work from home, especially during this whole, you know, COVID pandemic. Do you think you'll be staying yeah. at home for a while? Um, look, probably. I think uh, one of the, you know, I've been saying to a few people, one of the main reasons that I would uh, like to go into the office is, is human contact and being able to have meetings uh, like this, being able to talk to someone face-to-face -face as opposed to, to this, um, which is great, but, uh, but always easier face-to-face. -face. Yeah. Um, and so that would be good. But, uh, but at the moment, with the COVID restrictions, of course, we can't really meet very much. So in that case, I may as well stay home. Yeah. Yeah, I think a lot of universities are at the moment. Um, and I think, yeah, some other businesses, they're just slowly transferring back into the office like like we are. But, yeah, it's good that there is that flexibility. Um, yeah, I know um, over the last few episodes of this podcast, I've been talking to researchers about the, the impacts COVID-19 may have had on, on our mental health and suicide rates in Australia and any advice they may have on this particular area, well, in their own areas of expertise. Um, I know at the beginning of this pandemic, you shared some advice on how to cope um, without resorting to panic buying, which was certainly an interesting time. Um, but I suppose now that things have eased a bit and are starting to get back to normal, I was wondering if you might have any comments or advice for people who are finding it difficult to transition back into the norm or, or this new norm that we're experiencing now. Um, well, I think... Probably the best way to think about it is the word you just used, the, the new norm. That mm. I think people need to think about these things as norms. And the reality is that the, the, the typical average human being is incredibly resilient. And while we might uh, freak out a bit the first time something happens or when things change, we very quickly adapt to that, very quickly get used to it. And a great example of that is the, the panic buying. 
that uh, when it all seemed like we were going to be stuck at home, a lot of people rushed out and started to panic and very quickly they realised actually we don't need to worry too much and people got used to it and then we're, as we were just talking about, working from home and, uh, and living this uh, a different type of life became normal. Mm. And now we're going to go back to work eventually or back to our lives uh, gradually and, and I guess to, for some people that might raise some um, issues or, or, or stress or tension, etc. But again, I think the most important thing is just to remind yourself that with time it will become the new normal and you'll get used to it and it will pass. So I think not panicking, not getting into the panic buying type mentality, but just realising we will adapt, we will get used to it and then this will become the new way things are done um, is probably the best way to get through yeah, well, I suppose we have adapted now to, to these new times as well. Um, it seems, yeah, Absolutely. we're now starting to get used to it. So I guess, <clears> yeah, going back to... And then we'll adapt back the other way. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so um, I guess um, we've, we've had quite a long history with you, Ron, and, and it's been wonderful to see how the Cool Kids program has developed and continues to develop today. It's certainly one of the most successful programs that we've been able to support through funding. So I, I guess to start off, where did the idea for Cool Kids come from and, and what did it look like in the early days? Um, that, yeah, look, it's, it, it's very early days. It's, it's sort of, um, this story kind of gives away my age, uh, but, uh, but it was a long time ago that we started the ideas for Cool Kids, um, which came when I worked um, many years ago, about 30 years ago now, 28 years or something. I worked uh, at the University of Queensland and at the same time, uh, a colleague of mine was also working there, um, who's a professor now at Sydney University, Mark Dads. And Mark has also uh, been a recipient of, of several Rotary grants over the years. Uh, well, Mark and I used to go and have lovely lunches together quite often while we were at Queensland and look out over the beautiful lawns and, and the bushland they had there. Uh, and we just, one day, we just had a conversation about our research. And Mark was doing a lot of research into children. Um, with what are called externalising problems, which are children who uh, act out a lot, who are very difficult to control, um, who, who often break the law. Um, and I, at the time, was doing research in my field, which was anxiety, but with adults. I, I'd never seen a child <laughs> except in the street. Um, and so we were comparing notes and talking, and, and almost at the same time, we stopped and looked at each other and said, oh, I wonder whether children get anxious. And it was just that sort of... <laughs> I thought it hadn't crossed our minds before and, and then we started, then I went back and I started looking at the scientific literature and at that time there was essentially nothing done, very, very little work done. Um, a little bit of work from a, a wonderful researcher, Neville King, um, in, uh, in Melbourne at the time, but other than that, in the world in general, very, very little work had been done on child anxiety. So that's when we first started to get the idea that we should try and do something. And we actually took um, or borrowed an American program at the time called Cope and Cat, uh, which was done by a wonderful researcher at um, Temple University, Phil Kendall. Um, and he very kindly allowed us to take his program and we tested that as our first program. And then we just, from there, things started to develop and morph as, as we decided to, to add benefits and change things and modify things. And gradually, um, eventually became the Cool Kids program. Mm. Yeah, well, um, yeah, it's, it's great. It, it sounds like it really was the first of its kind. 
And um, pretty much, yeah. So as I say, Phil Kendall in America was doing was the only one doing something similar, mm. and then Neville King uh, in Melbourne was working. He was working more with children with phobias and, and developmental disabilities. Um, it's a slightly different uh, type of person, but um, uh, but similar. But uh, Phil Kendall was the one that really the only one in the world at the time doing anything with kids with broad types of anxiety problems. So uh, so yeah, in, in a way, what was uh, the early version we called the Coping Koala, right. and the Coping Koala program was was really the second of its kind in the world. Hmm. And so I guess um, at the you know in the early days um, with funding from Australian Rotary Health, what what did that look like? Um, you know, when developing the program. Um, I have to admit, uh, as embarrassed as I am, I can't remember the very first grant we got from Australian Rotary Health, but I think. It was already at the time when it was called Kids. Uh, and so at that stage, I had moved to Macquarie University and I had developed my own uh, variation, my own version of the program. Uh, and we called it Cool Kids. And, and Rotary at those days, it really was just um, uh, a fairly basic program and one where, more importantly, didn't have a lot of scientific evidence yet. So the scientific evidence I was trying to collect, collect um, was really based on a, on a string and a band-aid. It was very much just um, whatever we could do, pretty much using volunteer students and others to sort of help me um, to, to test whether the program was working was, was what we did. And so that, that early funding we got from Australian Rotary Health allowed us to start to actually start collect some real scientific data. And that's a, that's a huge benefit and a huge breakthrough to them setting up the credentials of the program and allowing it to start to grow and develop. Mm. And so, yeah, from this initial funding, that, that would flow on to, to get bigger grants, you know, from the NHMRC and, and, you know, really developing that evidence base. So, you know, I guess what, what, what's the importance of starting with these, these small pilot trials to begin with? Um, well, that's interesting. I, I'm not sure I'd always call the Rotary funding pilot trials. So Rotary gives um, uh, a good amount of money, which in the, the sort of the grand scheme of, of research, clinical research trials would probably be considered a sort of a small to moderate amount. Mm. But there are a lot of research questions, there are a lot of scientific questions that can be answered very well with that amount of money. Um, so in some cases, that amount of money is something that you, that you run a trial in order to then go on and get more money um, from the Australian government, NHMRC and, and those sort of places in order to do the study in a bigger and better way. But there are other questions um, for which the, the Rotary money is perfectly good enough to answer the question and, uh, and allow us then to move on to, to the next step. So the Rotary money is, it fills a really important niche uh, and is incredibly valuable in, in the sort of uh, broad scientific context of um, making sure that these programs and these ideas that we have as scientists actually do work and actually do make a difference. And that's what we need that funding for. Yeah. So I guess, you know, you have conducted a lot of research on this program and, and that's why it's, it's, you know, so popular in other countries. What do we know about the Cool Kids program today and, and how is it helping real people? Um, well, the Cool Kids program, as you said, is widely used now. So it's, we've now got to a stage uh, thanks to a lot of the scientific evidence that we have, where um, people around the world see it as one of the, uh, probably one of the main programs for child anxiety in the world. 
And therefore, we get approached all the time from people in different countries to ask whether they can translate it and use it in their country. So we're now at the stage where the, the Cool Kids is almost, I think of it as sort of a small business um, in many ways. And we're actually helping people, uh, young people in Australia and around the world. Um, we train therapists. We have an accreditation program where we um, make sure that therapists know exactly how to deliver the program properly. We make sure they're properly qualified. Um, and then we, we quality check um, the translations and making sure that people are doing things the right ways. And as a result, there would be literally tens of thousands of young people all around the world who have benefited from, from the, um, uh, the program itself. So to give you just one example of then taking that from the, the global perspective down to the individual perspective, um, a couple of years ago, I, um, I went uh, to just socially with, with my wife, we went to a, um, a play that a friend of ours had put on in the city and it was a play about bullying, it was based on a bullying uh, book that was popular in schools. Um, and uh, I was asked to give just a very short um, introduction uh, to the play. Um, from a mental health perspective, so I did that, and so because of that, I guess the audience saw who I was and and, and got to to see me. So then we went we went out at um, intermission time, and this tall, strapping young man, confident and, and mature and relaxed, walked over to me and said, "Oh, Doctor Rapone, I'd love to meet you. I just wanted to come and say hello and to say thank you." And I went, "What was that?" And he said, "When I was ten, about ten years ago, so he's now twenty." He said, 10 years ago when I was 10, I was a, a shy, withdrawn, terrified young child. I couldn't speak to anyone. I had no friends. And my parents took me to do the Cool Kids program. And he said, it totally changed my life. And he said, now I'm doing, I think he was doing law at university. And he said, I'm you know, relaxed, I'm comfortable, I'm very happy with my life. And, uh, and yeah, the Cool Kids program changed the way that I, that I developed across my teenage years. So I think those sort of stories, and we hear those from time to time, yeah. those really resonate and feel great. And then at the other end, those then sort of look at the fact that, okay, we have that story multiplied perhaps 10,000 times across the world. And it feels really good. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. Um, yeah, I guess, yeah, people always want to hear about those kind of stories. I mean, you know, you always see the statistics and, and things like that and, you know, what, what the effectiveness is of the program. But actually hearing firsthand that it's, that it's helped someone, I'm sure, yeah, that's something that yeah people really like to hear so oh that that's great um i know that there are many different versions of the program now in, including chilled out online um, for teenagers and and cool little kids online for parents of young children i guess um what's the latest development of the cool kids program now yeah well as you said i what we discovered many years ago the, the original um, program was aimed at, at young people whose, whose main number one problem was anxiety um, and that was somewhere that, that um, as I said earlier there, there hadn't been any research done really or, or not much uh, not much development of programs at that time but we very quickly came to see that anxious young people come in many shapes and sizes and have many different needs uh, and so we've developed um, different versions as you mentioned uh, for um, uh, anxious uh, teenagers, for example, who are also severely depressed, uh, and that's um, uh, one very important area uh, of, of young people who are really struggling in their lives very much. Many of these young people are quite suicidal, they self-harm, they have extremely difficult lives, and so we've uh, developed a version that's aimed more at those uh, young people, and that seems to work well. 
one of the most recent versions that actually just has funding at the moment from Rotary, and we're just currently testing it, um, is a version for kids who are, who are anxious, but who are also at the same time being chronically bullied uh, by, being, by peers. And so it's a mix of being bullied and being anxious, which of course is a, a double-edged sword. Yeah, and so we're running a version of, of Cool Kids where we're helping them to manage their anxiety, but also help teaching them strategies to deal better with the bullying and, and victimisation. So that's important. And as you, men you mentioned, the, um, the, the broader area to which we've been moving, and which a lot of people in the world are moving to now, which is online treatments. Mm. And so we've developed um, a number of, or we've taken a number of our versions of Cool Kids and converted them or developed them into online delivery. So that people now from anywhere in Australia, or in fact, pretty much anywhere in the world, um, can log in from their own home, can see all the lessons and all the strategies and techniques that we need to learn uh, to overcome anxiety. And then um, the young person can sit at home and learn all those and, and, uh, and improve in that way. Mm, yeah, I'd say that that would probably have a lot of benefits for people in rural areas and, and maybe people with social anxiety who, you know, don't want to see people face to face. So I think, yeah. Yeah, I think clinically we would often uh, say that someone with social anxiety should eventually be <laughs> coming in and that should, they need to be facing their fears. Uh, but certainly people in, uh, in rural and remote areas, uh, these online programs are, are a complete change for them. Because, of course, the, the difficulties for many years for people in those uh, remote areas is, is the complete lack of access to mental health services um, and certainly to scientifically tested ones. Uh, and now they can, of course, access all of those perfectly well. And we have had people doing our programs uh, from every corner of Australia, some of the most far-flung remote uh, sheep and cattle stations. We've had young uh, people doing our programs. Yeah, oh, that's really great. And so I guess it's, it's clear that research funding plays a very important role in ensuring that programs like Cool Kids are backed up by evidence so that we can ensure people are getting the best possible treatments for mental health problems. I guess, do you, do you have a message of encouragement for our Rotarians and, and members of the wider public to consider making a donation to mental health and suicide prevention research, particularly now that we don't quite know how severe the long-term impacts of COVID-19 will be? Yeah, look, I think uh, the, the message, well, you've said it very well yourself just there, obviously, uh, um, supporting good scientific research uh, into, into a variety of programs is critically important. And as I was saying earlier, Rotary, Australian Rotary Health fills an incredible niche uh, and fits into the context of research funding for mental health uh, in Australia. Mental health is, is relative to the size of the problem in Australia. It is extremely poorly funded in general. And, uh, and so uh, Australian Rotary Health really helps to, to provide a, a critically important service um, that's just not filled um, more broadly in many ways. So it's a very useful strategy. But I think uh, in many ways, the ways to, to think about it can sort of help uh, perhaps motivate people to support these sorts of um, projects is to go back to that individual level, like that story I was talking about earlier, and to think about the young person whose life is completely transformed um, through doing one of these programs. And the reality is at the moment, if you go to any, walk into any school um, or talk to any teacher or principal, they are bombarded with marketing and promotions for a whole range of, of programs from you know, 
picking uh, daisies to where I mean all sorts of weird and wacky things and the reality is it's very hard to know which of these works and which doesn't and that's the critically important question for us we, we can all sit there at home in our in our little office and make up a new program but the question is does it work and the, the value of this sort of funding is that it picks out which of the programs that work and which ones don't work and within those ones that work, it then also helps us to identify ways that we can keep improving and developing those programs. And that's why scientific support is so important and why those donations are so important. Mm. Yeah, well, Cool Kids is definitely a perfect example of, you know, a, a program that works and, you know, that funding behind it, you know, that, that told us that it worked. And so I think, yeah, it's a, it's a really great story, um, you know, from, a, from an Australian Rotary Health point of view, I think it's... It's definitely up there, one of our, our best projects. <laughs> so thank you so much well, for joining us on our podcast today. It's been my pleasure. I'm going to say it's a two-way street. We're also very grateful for the support we've had over the years from Australian Rotary Health. And it's, okay. uh, it's enabled us to get to where we are, which is, uh, which is to be able to provide these services to young people. Yeah, well, thanks again. Well, that was the 10th episode of our podcast called The Research Behind Lift the Lid. It's always so inspiring to hear what researchers in Australia are doing to make a difference to mental health and how they are helping us on our mission to lift the lid on mental illness. If you would like to help more mental health research like Professor Rapace continue, please continue, please consider donating to our COVID-19 appeal. We have an aim to raise $200,000 by June 30, so your support would be very much appreciated. Please see the link to donate on our Australian Rotary Health Facebook page. Thank you for listening. Please join us again next time.